0: Nowadays we all have technology at our disposal to help guide us as we navigate these physical roads in life. We can plug in our destination on our GPS or on our phones and it will give us step-by-step instructions, directions of how it is that we can get to where we need to go. In fact, it can even tell us with amazing accuracy how long it will take us to get there. I probably shouldn't admit this to you, but every now and then I see if I can beat it just by a minute. But it doesn't really quite work. It has it down to the T. And when we make a wrong turn, what does it know how to do? It automatically reroutes us to get us back in the direction that we need to be heading in in order to get to our destination. Now, some of you out there might be too young to remember a time before GPS and phones, but there was this thing that we used to use to navigate our way on the roads of life called maps. Anyone remember maps? Maps and atlases. So, when I was heading off to college, of course, young and full of everything that that adventure was was going to entail, with my atlas of all of the states of the United States of America as I drove from Wisconsin to Iowa, I have to tell you (laughs) (laughs) that I did have a little uh, confusion when I was at the border between Wisconsin and Iowa. And so I pulled off to the side of the road And, of course, this wasn't in the middle of the day, because why would you do that? So I decided to leave in the middle of the night. And my car was heaped to the brim so that there was this little peak hole out the back so that you could see the cars behind you. And, of course, as I was looking at my atlas, Lo and behold, a police officer comes up behind me and inquires as to what I'm doing by the side of the road in the middle of the night and with this car full of junk, all of which I thought was totally important and I was going to need during school. And I said, I'm just trying to make my way to college, Waverly, Iowa. And so she grabs the map book from me, and she says, oh, here, this is, this is the route you're going to want to take. Go this highway to this highway, and it'll get you right into Waverly in an hour and a half. And so I thanked her very much, got back on the, the highway, got on the road. And you know what I did next? As soon as I knew that she wasn't following me anymore, I went my own direction. Turned off on some exit and decided instead of taking the main freeways to get to Waverly I would take the back roads because why not have an adventure like that in the middle of the night? Isn't that just so typical though of any one of us in situations in life? There comes a point where it is that we maybe don't ask for help or we don't want to receive help or maybe we just want to do our own thing We want to do it our own way. We want to go on our own adventure. We don't want someone telling us the direction that we have to take. We don't want people rerouting us. We want to stick to the path that we want to take. There's a part of us that resists it, just like there's a part of us that avoids going into the unknown of going into the place of unfamiliar territory, of going into the place of unknowns, like the wilderness. During our Lenten journey, we are invited to be welcomed into the the wilderness, to give some time to think about what that means for us. It's a word that means so many different things to each one of us, a word that brings different images to each of our minds. It is a place of uncertainty. It's a place, perhaps, of loneliness. A place of unknown. A place of wandering. A place where it might feel as if everything is going against you, as if all of the forces are working against you, so that eventually you will fail. You will succumb to the temptation that is in front of you. Or maybe, when you think of the word wilderness, you see it as one of protection and provision. What comes to your mind when you think of wilderness? Anyone want to throw out a word or a phrase? Water park. Water park, nice. (laughs) That is just where we should be tonight in the middle of winter. (laughs) An indoor water park. Thank you very much, Eric. Any... Boundary waters. Very good. Where you are completely alone with your fellow travelers, able to enjoy what God has put in front of us. Any others? Keep thinking about that, about what that means to you, about what comes to your mind. Now think about your life and think about the times in which you have felt as if you were in the midst of a wilderness time, where you felt as if you were alone, where you felt as if you were wandering and you didn't know how things were going to turn out, of where you would ultimately head, of a time in your life where it felt as if you didn't know how you were going to get out of it. What was that like for you? Did you have different experiences of that time when you were in the middle of it as opposed to when you had gotten on the other side of it? When you were in the midst of it, did it feel as if you were frightened and scared and alone or angry or frustrated? And then years later, were you able to look back at that time and be able to see it in a completely different light, to be able to see how it was that you were shaped, of how it was that you actually weren't alone in that time, of how you have become stronger because of the experiences that you had in that time of wilderness? In our gospel for today, we actually jump back in Luke's gospel. We jump back before Jesus arrives in his hometown of Nazareth where he proclaims to the people that day of Isaiah's gospel of what it is that he's come to do, to proclaim good news. And before the people try and drive him out, And we jump back to this time in Luke's Gospel, just after he has been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Where at that time, Jesus, or where the Spirit comes down on him like that of a dove. And where the heavens are opened and a voice declares, You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It is so clear for us hearers of Luke's gospel who Jesus is, Son of God. All throughout Luke's gospel to this point, we have heard that. It is so clear to us. We've heard it proclaimed from Mary and from Elizabeth and from her son, John the Baptist. We've heard it from the old guy, Simeon, in the temple where he beholds Jesus, eight days old, and says... Thanks be to God that I have now seen the Messiah, the one who is coming to save God's people. We heard it from this prophetess Anna in the temple as well, who rejoices that she too has come to see the one who is coming to redeem Israel. You and I know who Jesus is. We know with great clarity who Jesus is. And ironically so does the devil so does the devil we'll come back to that first we have to talk about how it was that Jesus ended up in the wilderness did you catch that part of the story luke makes clear that jesus was full of the holy spirit that's been mentioned a couple of times up up, up till now and then jesus is in the wilderness And I have to admit that it almost sounds as if the Spirit is the one that leads Jesus out into the wilderness. Which, of course, raises all kinds of questions like, does God test us in life? Does God push us into such painful experiences of suffering for some purpose, for ourselves or for God? We struggle with that. But as you look really closely at the text, it doesn't mention that the Spirit is the one that leads him into the wilderness, but rather it's the Spirit that leads him in the wilderness. While he is already there, while he is already weak and famished and at his lowest of strength, it's the Spirit that continues to guide him in that wilderness place. It's the spirit that allows him to endure all of those temptations that the devil puts before him. Now, where do we go with this? You could go one of two ways. You could look at the story and say, Oh, Jesus quoted scripture. It gave him strength to be able to endure, to be able to not resist, or to be able to resist all those temptations. We should quote scripture more often. Or You could also remember that Jesus is the Son of God. And no matter how much we do quote scripture, we're never going to have the strength that Jesus has, even in temptations that are so much lesser. But there's one thing that Jesus also remembers. Takes us back to our first lesson, to the Old Testament story where we hear of Moses, where we hear of God's people who had been slaves in Egypt for so many years, and they cried out and they prayed to God for deliverance, for salvation, that they could be led out of Egypt. And what happened? God heard their prayers and answered, and God delivered them from Egypt and led them out. And they, too, wandered through the wilderness. But the wilderness for them was this place where they met God, where God became the one who provided the manna from heaven, who provided for them what they needed for each day, who protected them, who delivered them, who redeems them, and who continues to save them. That's the part of Jesus' story, even as he walks a path of his own, that he didn't forget. He remembered who God is. He remembered this God who continues to save and work within us. I have to imagine that hopefully, whatever wilderness we find ourselves in, whatever temptation we are faced with in our lives that if we remember that we are a part of God's story and if we remember like Jesus did who God is this God who delivers and saves and redeems it will lead us stronger so that when we come out of the wilderness, we too can look back at that experience and be able to see the strength that we had, the ways in which God continued to shape us through that experience, so that we can turn our heads to what God leads us into next.